The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second in the ADP in Conversation series. I am one of your facilitators, Tabitha Kenlin, and I coordinate the audio description project for the American Council of the Blind. And I am joined this time in the same uh, Zoom room, rather than only (laughs) being here in spirit, uh, by a voice that probably needs no introduction, Roy Samuelson. Thanks so much Um, for the introduction, Tabitha. uh, So just I'll give everyone a quick rundown what to expect um, in the next hour, and then I'll hand it over to Roy to introduce us to our panelists. Um, So we will continue the introductions because that's only polite. And then we are going to have what promises to be a fascinating conversation with four audio description professionals. And we'll probably take about 40 or so minutes to um, to discuss. And then in the last 10 or 15 minutes of the hour, we will open up to questions from the audience. Roy, who do we have with us? Oh, thanks so much, Tabitha. It's an honor to be here with you and all our panelists. Uh, this is Roy Samuelson. I am the host and producer of the ADNA Presents podcast, and uh, I hope you can hear my smile. I'm so glad to be a part of this collaboration between the ADNA Presents and ACB Conversations. And now, da 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 da, our AD professionals. We have Serena, Tanya, Slau, and Ren. Thank you for coming here, uh, Serena. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Serena Gilbert, and I am an audio description quality control specialist. For about three years now, um, all thanks to Roy, actually. He got me into this profession, and I absolutely love it. Hey, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me as well. Um, Serena, I work with you on quality control as well for descriptive video works. And that's been such a dream, uh, as well as on the narration side. So I've had such a, a blast kind of getting more involved in audio description, um, more so in addition to, you know, being a consumer, of course. Otherwise, uh, my day job is I'm community manager at Resemble AI, which is a tech startup, um, and they do voice cloning, and co-founder of GetBraille.com, where we put things into Braille audio and other other things I can mention later. And um, I also do voice acting. So happy to be here. Thanks, Tanya. Slow. Hey, how's it going? Uh, welcome, uh, everybody. Uh, nice to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I, I'm I'm put in the mind of that Sesame Street song. You know, one of these panelists is not like the other because <laughs> <laughs> because I uh, my involvement, although I have been directly involved in in audio description, uh, e- even did did an episode of Blind Justice way back, way 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 back. If you remember that one. Um, but uh, my involvement is more, much more from a technical standpoint, because I'm an audio engineer. I own a recording studio in New York City. Um, and, uh, you know, my involvement is way more on the technical side. So any contributions that I have to this discussion would, I mean, I'll have my opinions, of course, because we all do. <laughs> Anyone who belongs to any audio description group knows that there are plenty of opinions. Um, but, you know, my my contribution will largely be, I think, from a technical standpoint. But thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, Sla. 
Ren? Hi. Uh, I, I, thanks for inviting me. I'm really happy to meet everybody. I'm Ren. I'm a voice actor and audio description narrator, and um, I'm wearing a t-shirt that reads, Eat, Sleep, Record, Repeat, VoiceOver. <laughs> so I have fun while I'm doing what I'm doing. It's great to be here. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. And um, I don't want anyone to feel like they don't belong. Everyone is is necessary in the production of of audio description. You know, some a voice talent could sit there and and talk at the wall all day, but we need the engineers to <laughs> to uh, to to put all the pieces together. So takes a village. Um, exactly. Um, so uh, we have a bunch of questions. So we're gonna kind of um go through as many questions as we can get through but um anyone who has listened to me chatter before knows that i i don't need a lot of structure i'm happy to just let a conversation um flow and you know nobody should feel obligated to uh you know i don't know it's not a test <laughs> um is uh yeah don't be scared okay um, so we've, we've just gotten, um, you know, sort of uh, brief introductions there, and uh, we know that we have um, kind of a, a range represented. We've got some quality control, some some voice actors, and the, some necessary uh, technicians here. Um, so um, why not tell us a little bit more about uh, your, your typical day? Um, what do, you, you know, especially if people are you know, joining us for the first time, maybe don't really know a lot about, um, you know, audio description and the, you know, how it works. Um, maybe tell us a little bit more about what, um, what your typical day looks like. And should we just stick with that established order since we have four people? Um, will that be okay? Serena, you won't feel picked on if we always start with you. <laughs> no, I'm happy to, to start it out. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, so typically, and and this could vary. I will preface this: this could vary with, dependent on the company that you're working for. Um, but as Tanya mentioned, I am super blessed to work for Descriptive Video Works as a contractor there, and they are just amazing. And I, I can't speak enough about how how supportive they are of of all of Cheers. us. <laughs> But um, typically what happens is um, when it's time for all audio description quality control for that piece of things is you'll get a file. Um, typically it's just the audio file because, you know, I'm a blind quality control specialist. There's not much I can see on the video anyways. It's a smaller file. And then you'll get a script as well. Um, the way that uh, Descriptive Video Works does it is the audio file that you get already has the voice artist on it. It might not be beautifully mixed yet, but the voice artist is on there. And that's extremely helpful because what I do is I will have the script open and the track that they've sent me open at the same time and listen to it, see what the script says it's supposed to say. And um, it's really helpful to catch because um, we're not robots, luckily. <laughs> um, so it's really easy for someone to say um, like to instead of from or, you know, just little things like that. So that I really prefer that method because it really does do true quality control. Um, it's our role to um, catch those misspeaks, but then also any of the cues that are just not clear um, or using some language that maybe is not common. Um, there's definitely been some words where I've had to go Google it to see what the word was. And <laughs> sometimes that can take people out of the experience. So um, people think that it's okay, it's a 30 minute show, so it'll take 30 minutes to do the quality control. Not true. Um, for me, it's about time and a half. 
um, because you're starting and stopping and rewinding and things like that. So that's about what my process looks like. Everyone does things a little bit different though. And that's really interesting. So you're, you're not only, um, checking sort of the, the accuracy, like, you know, proof listening. Um, I used to be a proofreader when my eyes were better. So you're not just doing kind of the compare contrast for accuracy, but you're also kind of maybe checking the script itself to make sure that it, it's doing what it needs to do and will be understood and effective. So. Exactly. Cool. Great. Thank you. Um, let's see, uh, Tanya, I think you were next. Yeah, uh, I think Serena covered the quality control really well. I think the other thing to add there is is just to say that when I'm listening to, as a consumer, I'll even pick up on things just because my my mind is sort of uh, in that mode, mm-hmm. I guess, all the time. And I'll always think, especially because with uh, GetBrel, one of our our goals is to also be able to fill gaps with audio description. So I'm always like listening how what do I like and what would I like to emulate when I am able to in the future add to this in some way to bring, you know, quality description to what's already a wonderful body of work uh, for our community. So then I can speak to the voice acting side. So with narration, it's very similar. You receive usually an MP4 video or audio file of the video and a script that has all of your time in, time out codes. And by that, I mean, it will tell you how much time in theory you have to say that line or, or that point in the script. And I'll, I'll have an idea, okay, this is three seconds. And then if it's uh, an area of either the film or the series where it's different emotion or something else is happening, usually what I'll do is I'll spot check very frequently to listen to the tone around that line that's being said. Sometimes I'll even notice quality things that I'm like, oh, I have a question about this line. I wonder if maybe there's a little bit more space. I wonder if there's a way I could uh, add a little more detail here because there's there's some additional room to to in- include that. So if I if the project is not a hard deadline where it needs to be done ASAP, I might send a couple of emails and just clarify things. Um, but otherwise, I do love to listen to the media around the line, just so I can include that that nuance to the performance, which separates us from AI, of course, where as narrators, mm-hmm. we're, <laughs> we're, we're performing in some ways subtly. So that the the viewer, the the consumer can then really enjoy the the story and the media without feeling like they're being taken out of the experience and the narrator's voice becomes a backdrop. So they're just kind of guiding the person through. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Thank you. I love those descriptions. <laughs> descriptions <Yeah>. of description. <laughs> yeah. And and you're right, it is it is so um it does sound like it's a very, you know, active um, sort of thing that you're doing, you know, that you're not just passively reading out lines, but you're really engaging and thinking about how they fit and how much time you have and what the mood is. Um, so, yeah. It takes longer, but it's Harder so worth it. it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay. Um, Slau, tell us about the technical stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, it is a very laser focused 
uh, kind of uh, approach because uh, whether it's uh, audio description or whether it's an audio book that somebody's doing or a podcast or whatever, um, when I am recording someone, I mean, I'm usually recording those things, uh, the the actors, the narration or whatever, um, I am recording it, editing it, and sometimes mixing it. And at each step along the way, um, you know, really, I have to really focus in on the the smallest, smallest detail. Often the the actor will not get or not be aware that they're shifting in their seat or their clothing is making noise or something like that. And so often I'm the one, you know, pointing out to them and they like, they're completely unaware, but that's my job. And, uh, you know, I try to, uh, it's a judgment call. Sometimes you have to let certain things go, but sometimes it's a, it's a kind of thing where they might say something like structure or strength instead of strength or structure. You know, there are certain issues that come up that they're completely unaware of. And I try to, um, you know, address that first. Sometimes I can fix things in editing and I've spent a tremendous amount of time editing, uh, voice for, you know, for various, uh, projects. Um, sometimes it's music related, uh, but that's, that's a different one. You have a lot of you, you have music masking the voice in this case, but in, in audio description or an audio book or a podcast, often it just things are out in the open. So you really have to be uh, diligent about uh, capturing uh, the stuff well, uh, editing it well, and uh, in the end, mixing it. And as we all know, there, there are issues where you have audio description that is tremendous. I mean, it is absolutely way too loud as compared to the program material or the opposite and so those are quality control things that that i i'm real i get very uh uh bent out of faith over when when as a consumer when i hear it on television i just really it really gets me but anyway but that's what i try to strive for <laughs> try to strive for the for that type of uh uh as good as make it as good as you can possibly do it hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you want to create the kind of thing that you would enjoy listening to, right, I exactly. imagine. Yeah, um, yeah. I've, uh, I think most people know I've I've just started this job um, earlier this year in January, and um, I've been learning a lot about um, all different kinds of audio description. And I I have been in meetings where people started talking about the ducking levels, and yes. I had to draw on my powers of you know context clues to figure out yes. what they meant. If, um, you, if you do it right, it's great. But if you get it wrong, it's terrible. And uh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, thank you on behalf of all of us for, <laughs> for taking care of that. <laughs> okay. And Ren. Hi. Um, yeah, is, uh, is the voice talent... Um, I spend my most of my time either uh, formatting the received script, recording it, uh, editing it, and then uh, the rest of the part is uh, running the, this is my own uh, personal business. So there's a lot of business stuff that has to go with it as well of uh, pestering people for work or as the business people call it lead management. Um, but just trying to find um, more and more work, uh, consistent work in the audio description field. Yeah, I think that was something that that came up um, in our our panel last month as well. Just kind of the 
yeah, the business side and, you know, having to do mm-hmm. the, the marketing and publicity and, you know, taxes, <laughs> right? all I've, of that boring stuff. I've done the VO um, uh, work since 2010, but mm-hmm. it's only in the last, what, two and a half years that I've been doing audio description. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole new uh, learning process to, to go through there and, and make yourself uh, professional at that. So it's been exciting. And I, I understand that you have a very exciting audio description gig coming up very soon. I do. I'm I'm thrilled <laughs> uh, to be a part of the production for the upcoming uh, ACB 2023 audio description gala. Woo-hoo. Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yep, as a is a huge uh, audio description consumer for for years and years, and. Uh, I've I've followed all the audio description news as much as I can. So uh, this is a great honor to be involved with this. I really take a lot of pride in this and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you. And in case anyone is taking notes, this is my job. I have to tell you this, <laughs> but it is really cool. Um, it is uh, the show will air Tuesday, November 14th at 730 p.m. Eastern. Um, and there are lots of different ways that you can act access the show. Um, We'll be sending out emails and posting information on various ACB and ADP websites. Um, And uh, we'll also be having a a watch party or listen party or, you know, whatever kind of party you want to call it um, right here on ACB community as well. So um, I'm just happy I get to hear Ren even more. Yeah, what a great voice too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll take the next question if that's all right, Tabitha. Yes. I'm going to throw a monkey wrench. I'd like to okay. give uh, each person a, a, a different chance to start and end. So I'm going to shake it up and Slough, it's all right. I'm going to give you okay. the heads up sure. and then we'll go to Tanya, then Ren, then Serena. But Slough, um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you and everyone else is something that's misunderstood about your job, something that you wish people knew about it. And I think that's a great springboard off of Tabitha's question about the day in the life. I think I think we could kind of infer a little bit between the lines, but I just wanted to see if there's maybe something specific that you'd love to share with our audience about about that uh, that uh, something people maybe think you do but you don't, or something you do that people don't think you do, or something that you wish people knew. Hmm. Well, I I the only thing that comes to mind. I mean. Uh, Truthfully, I, I think just a lot of people just really have no concept of of what's involved in in any type of uh, production. Uh, you know, even from the simplest voiceover recording to to the most complex, I don't know, you know, m- movie mixing or something like that. Um, but that that you can expect that because people just just don't know why why would they? Uh, but but i think that and this is probably true of a lot of professions uh people don't they generally don't know how um how much time how many countless hours you spend not only perfecting your craft but also just working on a project i mean if a person knew how much goes into editing how much time they they just simply wouldn't believe it sometimes people approach me about recording you know they'll say i, I want to record an album in this case a music project how long do you think that'll take or even a song let's say a song it's a five minute song they think so how long should that take to record <laughs> if i say to them well i mean if you play it live and you get it right from beginning to end, you know, yeah, we could do it in a half hour, an hour, but more likely it's going to take five or six hours. 
or if we're doing a bigger production, you know, it could take a week. If you're doing an album, it might take a year. It blows their mind when they hear that. And they don't believe me when I tell them this at first. And I think that's true of a lot of productions. Uh, people just have no concept. And once they've gone through it once, then they realize. And it's sort of like, you know, then then they are educated and then they'll tell other people and so on and so on. But that I think that's the one thing, that's the first thing that comes to mind that people just really, uh, they wouldn't know. Yeah, they, they're completely surprised by that fact. I love how you and Serena both addressed that. And, and you expanded on that idea and not only the work that you do for the actual project, but also the the skill development and the, and the additional yes. work. So thank you for that. Yeah. Tanya. Yeah, I think this is a great question. I, there's a couple of things I can mention. One from, oh, they're both from the voice acting side, I think, but they're based on performance. And I think one thing that I've learned working with AI voices, voice cloning, first of all, is that, you know, it's a controversial topic in the field of voiceover for good reasons. Um, I think it's important to do your research. And I think a lot of people automatically assume that AI companies are going to misuse your data. Uh, some do. But I believe that as we come out of the Wild West sort of area in this field, as it matures, we're going to have a lot more uh, clarity into who's doing these things right and who's shady in some way. Um, but what I really, beyond that, what I really wanted to, to say is recording for AI voices, uh, cloning your voice, preparing a data set is not as simple as most people think, like they'll think, oh, well, I did a narration for an audiobook. So can I just dump that in and it'll just sound great no matter what I use it for? No, it might sound like a narration, but you have to take out the dialogue. The tone has to be consistent. The recording sessions have to be similar and the energy has to be similar. The position to the mic, the mouth noise can't be there. It has to have similar pacing and conversational data versus narration is, is different. Um, so one thing I learned very quickly that when I started as a voice talent, I was like, oh, I need to emphasize certain things, maybe slow down a certain word or put more uh, emphasis on it at in the middle of a sentence, at the end of a sentence. That didn't come out that great <laughs> with AI. It sounded disjointed and very kind of off off-putting so i learned very quickly that tone has to be very similar throughout the the process when you're recording anything and that's helped me with other areas of performance especially with narration audiobooks characters i learned a lot about how things are said and maybe how they sound after you know, you've introduced them to AI. So that's, that's one thing that I that I can say as a talent, it hasn't really working in AI has not um, been such a negative experience for me. It's it's more helped me with my craft. Uh, so I, I don't regret it at all. <laughs> and I understand a uh, vocal variance. Uh, I think it's vocal variance.com is supporting is uh, made up of voice talents like ourselves who are putting forth um, not only legal protections, but also uh, sharing that kind of information, that education that you're providing the company that you work for as far as what your needs are as a, as a voice talent and, uh, and all that. So it's, it's great to hear that that 
when those collaborations are happening, that it is a, a two-way street. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, oh, Brent? yeah, of course. Well, yeah, I'd like to um, continue to echo on what Slough had been talking about earlier with the amount of time involved. And there really is uh, of the four parts of the creation process, whether it's the writer, the voicer, the engineer, or the quality control, um, each of these steps takes a lot of time and um, no, no part of the process is more important than the other. Um, but that being said, uh, one of the things about the time involved in this is in the wider scope of the audio description industry is going to be the time constraints put on vendors in which to create the audio description. Uh, typically, there's a time crunch uh, that uh, people come in late with their product and want to have the audio description added to it, which um, doesn't allow vendors to use workflows that are more accessible to non-visually dependent uh, talent. So I think one of the things that I would uh, like to point out in the business is we have uh, all of these opportunities, the four areas of the work chain and creating audio description are places where blind and low vision uh, creatives can be. Um, but I think one of the things that our audio description vendors lean on is the crutch that because of their time constraints, they're not allowed to have uh, more accessible workflows. So the uh, blind voiceover work in the audio description is going to be more of the exception than the rule. Uh, until these processes get more accessible. And Ren, you uh, also addressed that in your first answer, uh, speaking, one of the first things you mentioned was formatting, that that, mm -hmm. that alone, the, the systemic problem of getting access to the actual words that you get to say, that that, that yeah. alone can uh, you know, slow things down in a way that it's, it's kind of unnecessary. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming that that ties in pretty uh, similarly to what, to what you're talking about with this time crunch. Absolutely. And with all the uh, different ways that people get their work done, um, you know, you just have to be flexible with it and, and find your way to plug in as best you can. But at the same time, every job comes to you differently. So you just have to be willing to, uh, to be flexible. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Serena, you've got uh, some, some thoughts or perspectives on this, uh, this question? I do. Um, so the first thing that came to mind, and it was similar to Tanya, how you said, I can't watch like shows with audio description without being critical. <laughs> like, mm. And those were not your exact words, but that that's the one first thing I want people to know is once you start doing audio description quality control, it's really hard to turn off that switch. I'm constantly watching shows that I've definitely not QC'd and been like, that's not correct. They need to reword that. That makes no sense. Like, it's just... I'm just very critical. I'm an audio description snob. Roy has heard me say that so many times and I wear it that badge proudly. Um, that That's one thing that people might not realize is it does change how you consume um, content <laughs> once you've started really knowing the, the, the rules of audio description. Um, the other thing that I really want um, everyone to understand is sometimes we are limited by style guides that are given to us and the way that the audio description is um, provided. Um, sometimes we have to can't say certain words or have to, um, there's just certain style guides <laughs> for dependent on whether it's Netflix or uh, Max or whatever the case may be. And ultimately they're the ones that kind of get to decide how that style is. Like um, if you've watched a show through the end, sometimes you'll hear the credits of the writer and the narrator and sometimes you won't. And, and that just depends on the style guide of 
the particular uh, entertainment industry, I guess, for lack of a better word, that has asked for that audio description. Thank you for that. Tabitha. I, I have sympathy for um, for not being able to turn off the analytical brain because um, yeah, I did the PhD in English. And, hmm. you know, once I started reading books critically, like I, you know, I just, I read for pleasure. I read constantly, but even when I'm reading for fun, my, my brain is, is uh, yeah, analyzing things I'm like, how would I teach this? Or how would I write an essay about this? So, um, and I actually do that when I, um, when I listen to audio description as well, because, you know, I, I just analyze everything. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I, I sympathize. Um, so we wanted to ask you, because I'm, um, you know, since uh, and you've all, you know, mentioned this, the fact that, you, you know, you're all working professionally um, as, um, you know, in in audio or audio description. Um, so just thinking about the, you know, that that professional career uh, side of things, um, what do you, each of you think are the important soft skills um, that that you've had to use in your job, you know, kind of separate from those, um, you know, the more uh, specific technical skills, um, you know, skills working with other people or, um, you know, skills that you've had to just kind of develop um, and learn as you go, or maybe you um, actually just, you know, were able to hit the ground running, as they say, um, but um, I guess kind of loosely, you know, like what's if you were if you're having to give advice to somebody and, you know, what kind of non-technical skills somebody needed to uh, to get by, like, you know, what what have you found useful? Um, so I will mix up the order as well. Um, let me start with Tanya this time. Sure. Um, I'd say definitely communication is a big one for me, uh, trying to keep track of what everyone's working on and then also um trying trying to know or establish who a backup person is for certain questions or tasks that have to be assigned or delegated at work is important and helps you not step on anyone's toes or overwhelm one colleague <laughs> um, no one likes that and people get busy so organization kind of goes along with that really keeping track of things and letting other colleagues know what you're working on and what your bandwidth is. And then um, if I notice projects that I think I could help with in some way or make people's lives easier, I'll offer to help with them. And it's people take me up on it in cases where it makes sense um, or they're, they're like, oh, I didn't think of that. But yeah, uh, so, so that that's always helpful to others. And um, and then I use GPT a lot for productivity to simplify tasks at work, whether it's like get braille or, um, you know, working with resemble, for example, I was able to, I don't know how to code. I don't know Python. <laughs> I, I can follow instructions, but that's about the extent of it. So I use GPT to help me, for example, um, pull, RSS feeds for podcasts I'm interested in listening to. And then I'm able to rename those. So I know what episodes I've pulled. Uh, recently, I created a video trimming tool. There's a huge learning curve in video editing with any software. And I just wanted the ability to, uh, I do some accessibility testing as well. But if I create a Zoom video explaining my experience with a screen reader on a website, 
for example, there are bits and pieces in the video that just don't come out very good. So I've used GPT to create a um, CSV based time code in and out time code system where I'm able to specify time codes that I want deleted out of that file. And then it uses uh, Python libraries of a couple of different ones to, uh, to accomplish that task. And that really simplifies my, my learning curve. So I think that would be my advice too, is if there's a way you can avoid humongous learning curves and save yourself time, it's so helpful and it speeds up your ability to get the job done. Okay. I'm sure you think that sounds simple. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) GPT, not me. (laughs) I know, but I wouldn't even know how to get started on that. Tanya, you're a sorceress. <laughs> yes, thank you. I, I give AI credit for that. Okay. I feel a little intimidated now. No, okay. no. <laughs> thank you for, for sharing that. I was with you with communication. I'm like, yeah, that's important. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Workarounds. Very impressive. Okay. Um, let's see. How about Ren? Yeah, I'm. I would like to continue the uh, the communication train. Choo choo. Um, <laughs> the the idea of the audio description community from the people that I've met, and in, including the people that I'm I'm meeting today, um, very forward thinking, uh, selfless people, uh, people that are trying to do things um, that are bigger than themselves, uh, and people who are humble and uh, in service. And those are the type of people that I've encountered. And it makes it very easy for my uh, soft skill that I think is something that's provided a lot of uh, opportunity is honesty, Um, is the honesty that I have with myself about what I can and can't do. Um, Being open and honest uh, with the people that I work with, uh, taking input, feedback, um, and understanding it's not personal, you know, Um, and we're all trying to work together on these type of things. And I think the more you honest you are with yourself, I think it's easier to take on adverse uh, situations. If you have an expectation of what you can and can't do, and you're honest with that, and you can communicate with that with people, then uh, you'll find yourself more successful than not. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's great. Non-technical advice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, excellent point. Thank you. Um, I'm, sorry, I'm not picking on you, Tanya. I'm, I'm impressed, really. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're good. <laughs> I mean, I took like a, a baby HTML class um, last year, and I was, you know, so smug that I could like learn, you know, how to code one or two things. So, um, yeah, video editing. Oh, that's I awesome. Did, yeah, I did know what a CSV file was. I was proud of myself for that. Um, awesome. Okay, let's um, let's uh, go to Serena. First of all, Tanya, I thought I was a chat GPT <laughs> wizard. I need I need you to tell me how you created that and share or share your magical software with me because oh, I want video to, editing yes. is notoriously difficult. And there's some there's there's some um tools out there where you can edit via text essentially, but they're not accessible, ironically. Um Mm. I won't mention any names, but <laughs> um, but I, I will hop on the bandwagon of communication. Um, when it comes to quality control, there's times when you have to communicate um, with the writer about something they worked really hard on, you know, for hours and hours and say, hey, like, this is not clear. Can You know, you have to be really nice in, in how you communicate and explain why it's not clear. 
Um, I have to also use ChatGPT um, in this, not in the way you think, but there's very often where we'll be asked to QC, QC shows, well, tongue, tongue twister there, you know, starting at like season five or six, and we've not watched seasons one through four. <laughs> um, so I have definitely used ChatGPT to go back and get some really, really good summaries of, okay, what happened on the show seasons one through four so that I can feel educated going into um, making sure that I quality control this effectively. Um, the other thing is, um, at least with the quality control specialist work, it's independent contractor work. So obviously you need to know, you know, how to properly set aside money from the monies that you're paid so that you don't have a surprise tax bill at the end of the year. Um, but also managing your own time because they'll give you projects and they'll say like, here's when we want it back by. And it's really easy to kind of be like, oh, I'll do it whenever. But the earlier you do it, the, the better it is because then you can, can have that availability to take on, you know, other things that might come through as well. Great. Thank you. I was a, a professor for years and I always told my students, don't wait until the night before the essay is due to write it. And so I'm very <laughs> pleased that <laughs> that advice resonates in the real world. <laughs> well, thank you. And finally, Slough. Yeah, I, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the uh, chat GPT and stuff like that. And and I have to say that in, in the audio world, um, there's a, a similar kind of thing. It's not chat GPT, but it's basically AI uh, finding its way into a lot of software these days, uh, plugins, for example, uh, that automate processes um, so that you don't have to think of which frequencies do I want to accentuate or uh, pull back on and stuff? Uh, you have you have plugins uh, and software these days that kind of just analyze it for you. And a lot of people are concerned that, you know, it, it, this is going to, you know, just like in any industry, you know, they think, oh, it's going to take away jobs. We're no longer going to need audio engineers. And and I, I don't agree with it. Um, with that idea, I think I, I embrace it. I say, sure, you know, analyze it. Tell me what you think, <laughs> what you suggest, and then you can always make adjustments. Um, but anyway, that's not the the, the soft skill uh, I, I wanted to mention was um, organization, uh, file management, and those kinds of things. My goodness, years ago we used to record to tape and there was you know the 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 job then was to label the tape box correctly you know so that you could find something or 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 keep track of takes and you know and take one was the best take two was the was okay but take three may have beat take one etc those kind that note taking um has been very important but now uh these days pure just pure file management because you know, I work, you know, in, in projects where you have thousands and thousands of audio files and there's a certain logic that a, uh, a digital audio workstation like Pro Tools or something, it's going to follow and you have to understand these things. But also when it comes down to it, you're naming things sometimes and, um, you, uh, you know, you, you have to, I think come up with a system uh and stick to that uh and i just it reminds me of a, of a company uh that i think it's the, the, one of the best names for a company there's a mastering house out on the west coast 
And the name of the company is Final Final V2. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you get files from other people, from other studios or from voiceover you know, people. And, you know, you get these final, 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 you know, um, and, and that to me, I, I, I try, uh, you know, I, I have been for many, many years following a certain standard and I stick to it. And I think organization, as, as was mentioned before, is huge because for me, if a client comes to me, oh, could I have that file that we did, you know, and they'll, they'll give me parameters and I have to be able to say, mm, I know exactly where that is. Uh, it's, it's huge because otherwise I'll spend my days trying to hunt something down. Yep. I, I think everybody can relate to that. You know, I do a fair amount of writing with my job sure, with new sure, press sure. releases or stuff like that. And sometimes they get, they get bounced around from different people for comments. So I've definitely had, you know, blah, blah, blah with TK edits and, you know, different versions. So, yeah. Great answers. Thanks everybody. <laughs> I'm learning so much. Uh, I'd love to skip a question and uh, this will be my last one. Um, yeah, I think, I think this will be our last one before we go to the, open up for audience questions so, so okay if i ask uh or do you did you have something you want oh no i was are you going to ask question six yeah yeah that's what i thought okay go for it thanks Ren. <laughs> if it's all right i'll start with you and then we'll go to serena then slough and tanya so ren if you think about your work in ad as well as in voiceover in general um there's a there's three different directions we can go with this question. So each of you take mm. whichever one that you're most excited about. What's your comfort zone? Like, what's that thing that you're just in such a beautiful flow with that you know you got it and you can nail it and you can almost do it in your sleep? And then the, on the other side of that, what kind of work would you like to move to in addition to what you're already doing? Like, what's that aspirational direction that you see your career going and then if neither of those questions are interesting, the, the third part that you can dive off on is how has your work in audio description helped your career overall? So any one of those, I'd, I'd love to hear your answers to that. Well, um, I think first I'm going to say that I, I could think of nothing better than having a job where my only voiceover work is audio description work. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've done the other voiceover work of commercials and characters and all that stuff for years. And uh, one of the things that is important to me is the connection. Um, audio description has an important uh, place in my heart uh, for several reasons, obviously, because um, I like me and I'm blind. So I like stuff that I like. And that's the first stage of why I do what I do. Um, but when I'm uh, recording the voiceover uh, project versus audio description, it's really hard for me to find that connection. Um, that's why it's all about acting. You know, um, you're working the rhetorical triangle, you're going between authority, um, logic, and emotion, and trying to find your balance that way. But I personally uh, find a connection to the audio description story that I'm in. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a nature thing. It doesn't matter if it's a scary movie or whatever. I know that um, this would be something that I enjoy. And I do have other uh, people like me that I've talked to that, uh, you know, have done something like they've said they've gone to the movie theater because they knew I did a movie. And so they wanted to hear my voice. And that just makes me want to stay in audio description all the time. 
if there was something that I would branch out into, it'd probably be something towards the idea of uh, documentary uh, narration, something again, where you're connecting to a story. Um, and I, yeah, uh, the personal connection is what I thrive on the most. Oh, I hear it too. That connection is such a important part of uh, uh, that work. And I hear how that can and does affect your performance and the work that you've done mm -hmm. and also now you shared that answer. Thank you so much. Yeah, My sweet spot is honestly, I love doing series. Um, I, I get, I've, I've been shocked at how many series that I've done that I thought I would be absolutely bored to death watching that I like get into. And I'm like, when's the next episode coming? <laughs> so I can QC it. Um, <laughs> there was one I QC that was, um, uh, Roy, you were one of the voices on it where I would never just sit down and watch it, but I was like super into it. <laughs> I think we both were actually. <laughs> um, but um, the next thing that I'm interested in, but it scares the living daylights out of me is actually trying out voice work. Well, you've probably never heard this before, but I'm scared of it, but I think it would be fun to try. My problem is, is that I have trouble pronouncing certain words. So um, that's why it scares me. But that would be the next thing that would be interesting to learn a little bit more about. Great answer. Thanks. Slow. Well, I, I think that uh, for me, my, my, problem is that I like so many different things, you know, and I, you know, I primarily work uh, mostly in, on the music side of things. I'm, you know, I'm a, an audio uh, engineer, but I am a producer. So I work on music so much. I mean, I, I just got back from Ukraine where I recorded an orchestra uh, and that's the kind of work that I just love doing. It just, I, I could do it all day long, but at the same time, I love doing uh, projects that involve just like a one-on-one -on -one kind of thing as well. I mean, whether it's voiceover recording or just, just a, a singer songwriter or something like that. But I think that, um, it, you know, if it was something that I could continue doing uh, that I would, I would love to, but I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. I've done a lot of uh, audio books that are, kind of like radio drama books where I would get involved in the production uh, to the point where I'm doing specific sound effects and atmospheres. And I just adore that work because it's not just the, the voice talent that we're, you know, we're capturing and, and, and going for a great performance. But when you start to get into the, the, the radio drama kind of production with sound effects and atmospheres, Oh, I could do that all day long. They just don't come up that often, but yeah, that would be my dream. Love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tanya. Yeah, this is a great question. Uh, Slau, I just wanted to say, I, I wonder, have you considered uh, working with graphic audio on any of their, their material? They do basically radio drama style books where they have sound mm. effects and actors and they do a phenomenal job oh, um that's i'd love to, to talk with you offline sure. in, anyway but Absolutely. yeah but yeah um to answer answer the question on my side it's it's going to be looking forward on my end that that part of the question what i really want to do after this with in addition to everything else is there are a couple of different gaps that I see in terms of being a, a small business owner. Um, a lot of lead generation tools, marketing tools are just not accessible. Um, 
there's a huge gap. And sure, you can get Salesforce, but Salesforce is a little bit expensive for some who are starting out. And then you have HubSpot, which needs a lot of work. And I hope they do put the work into the accessibility side. But what I really would love to see is open source accessibility tools that people who are using screen readers and have other disabilities, they can access and use and not have to pay for. Video editing, audio description, all of these fields, if it was available to the consumer in general, the business owner, we could all bring so much more accessibility to our community. So what I'd love to do is find a couple of different developers to work with who are interested in the vision of open sourcing these things and supporting them and testing them, making sure that they work. Anything from email tracking tools like MailChimp, for example, to survey tools like SurveyMonkey, to um, sales tools like um, Sales Navigator. Obviously, LinkedIn is already accessible, but these things where you can really track your campaigns and even have AI integrations where you can create several touch points for your customers and then keep track of, of accounts, something like a CRM system that's accessible and have all these separate tools. I mean, if, if I just had the, I guess the right connections, which I'm networking is amazing. Networking has done so much for all of us, I think, and we're always networking. So that's kind of my, my vision for the future is like, how can I contribute to the community in general, anything from audio description to the, the process of keeping track of your business as someone who's visually impaired or you know, just doesn't have access to tools that are working fully for you. Mm, yeah. Wow. Tabitha, please follow. There's so many great follow-ups here. I'd love to hear what, what you'd like to ask our panelists, something that maybe uh, was, was stirring up in your mind that you're like, oh my gosh, I really hope I get to ask them this. Is there something <laughs> that, that has been stirring in you that you'd like to, to ask any? I'm, I'm fascinated by this conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I could talk for hours, as probably everyone knows, but um, I should ask um, Desi, do we have any hands? I don't want to to have our audience feeling left out. Um, do, do you have audience members have any questions for our panel? While we're waiting, is it okay if uh, I ask each of our panelists if there's a, a way that we can follow you on social media, oh, yes. a way to reach out to you that you're comfortable with sharing publicly? Uh, let's start with Serena. Thank you, Roy, for giving us this opportunity to shout out our social media. <laughs> um, for me, the best way to follow me is on Facebook. Um, I have a page called Blindy Girl, spelled B-L-I-N-D-Y-G-I-R-L. Uh, <laughs> I was not good at spelling, sorry. Um, and that's where I post, like, I post a lot to there about, like, my audio description work, my, um, my day job, and just the everyday happenings with me. Tanya? Um, so the best place to find me is LinkedIn, um, but my name is really long. So you can also just go to getbraille.com, G-E-T-B-R-A-I-L-L-E.com. I'm also on Facebook, but LinkedIn, honestly, I post more there, I think, uh, about day-to-day -day as opposed to Facebook, where I post uh, more about audio uh, voice acting and such, too. And then there's tanyamvoice.com, which is my voiceover site, T-A-N-J-A-M voice. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity.
uh, Slough, any uh, contact or? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I used to be active on the, the, the old Twitter as it were, but I, but I stopped that when Elon <laughs> took over. Yeah, Sorry. I did the same. Yeah, yeah it's not the too. same. Uh, so, so I left that, but, uh, but I am on Facebook, uh, Slough Halliton, uh, S-L-A-U-H-A-L-A-T-Y-N. Um, and I, I did, uh, I did have a podcast, which, uh, I, I, I always threaten to resurrect, which is sessions with slough.com. Uh, but also, yeah, I'll just my email is slough at bsharpstudios.com. So it's B-E-S-H-A-R-P-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. One of my favorite key signatures. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Third step in G-sharp major. <laughs> I'm musicians. I love you all. Sorry. Ren? Yeah, uh, you can reach me at ren at renleach.com. That's R-E-N-L-E-A-C-H. And I'm at renleach on Twitter. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. Great. So thank you all. I'm probably going to connect with you all on LinkedIn on Monday. Um, so Desi, um, let's, let's get to our hands. Okay. So our first one is Dan Spoon. Dan Spoon. You should be able to talk now, sir. What a wonderful panel. Thank you all. This has been very informative. Um, question for you all kind of being so connected to the industry, you know, obviously, Audio description is making a huge difference for our blind and low vision community. But, you know, I keep feeling anecdotally and I anecdotally and I hear stories about how audio description is not just for the blind and low vision community. There's many other people that are taking advantage of it. Do you all see that kind of bridge to the larger community taking place? And where do you see opportunities in that? new world that could expand your all's um, opportunities for for employment yeah absolutely and i know of uh people who listen to it uh while they're on the treadmill um some people will listen to it like they listen to an audiobook in the various places whether it's in the kitchen or the car or things like that uh, i really do think there is an idea of uh, mobility with entertainment that is going to be taking off now with uh, the amount of Wi-Fi connectivity for people to take media wherever they want. I think it's just a matter of time. Um, if I could also add to that real quick, I, I would say the education field, um, turning on audio description for kids even who are, say, you know, not visually impaired, can help them with their vocabulary and mm -hmm. their concept development, but also in public institutions and history, um, institutions that are historical in some way, like museums, aquariums, zoos, the audio tours that they have now, a lot of them are very, very helpful. But if we were to consider adding sound effects, music, making them more like an audio drama or like a podcast style, like yep, something yep. like Atlas Obscura, like the Smithsonian podcast Side Door, those formats people are already used to listening to. And it pretty much is audio description. It's just audio description with educational elements in, included and weaved throughout. So I think this is already happening, but we're calling it podcasting in a lot of cases. And it's just so natural for people to enjoy. This kind of brings back what just... Slaw was saying, too, uh, with the, uh, the podcast uh, approach. And I, I found that with sighted people, there is that learning curve. I'm hearing what I'm seeing. There's that 
under there's this misunderstanding of oh it's redundant i'm going to see it and hear it but once mm-hmm. a sighted person gets used to it yes uh, whether or not they're having their eyes on the screen or not is irrelevant but it it helps them focus on what's most important sure and mm-hmm. you know there was a time way back when i used to uh you know procure just mp3s that were descriptions of movies and then uh you know we would say rent a movie and then i would put headphones on or whatever uh so that i i always thought of it as like i didn't i don't want my wife to be distracted my wife is sighted and uh you know there were a couple of dvds where you know the descript the, the dvd had description and we watched a few of those and uh after that point my wife started saying no actually i i love having the the audio description because it helps me follow the story because sometimes you 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 misperceive something or you think that it's one guy but it's actually the the guy from the coffee shop but you know and the description is telling you this and also not only that but we're both notoriously bad at remembering names of characters so even that simple <laughs> thing is just like yeah what was that character oh yeah and then they say jenny walks into the room it's like oh yeah yeah it's jenny it, it's so helpful so, so she loves it and she's full she's excited so ladies yeah. and gentlemen i do hate to interrupt but we are just right up on the like 30 seconds left yes. i know <laughs> It went so um, fast. <laughs> I know. Well, Dan asked a, a fabulous question. I think I'm going to steal that for uh, for future panels. <laughs> um, so I do um, have to thank you all for um, for attending. Thank you, everyone in the audience, and um, huge thanks to the panel and to my wonderful co facilitator, Roy. Do you want to to take us out with any final words of wisdom? I'm so honored to be a part of this. It's so great to hear the different perspectives and that we get into that nuance of of what the work is for audio description and how that has helped branch out into to so many other great successes that you've all had. It's an honor to be a part of this with you all. And this will be on the Audio Description Network Alliance, the ADNA Presents podcast. And also um, the uh, community events, and it'll be on the ADP website as well. And we will see you back here on November 11th for the third and um, perhaps final ADP and conversation panel discussion. Thank you.